question what the church could look like um, as we learn more from the book of Acts, for instance, and use that as a template. And there's a lot there to unpack, but um, I'll just say that Dr. Parks is, is um, learning from the example throughout the world um, in ways that this movement is really taking hold and, um, and uh, is helping people in the U.S. to reimagine what church could look like. He and others have observed a movement of spectacular growth within the church globally, and you can read about this, uh, lots of different sources, and they see indications that there is a similar movement that is beginning to occur here in the U.S. Dr. Parks defines the disciple-making movement as an obedience-based discipleship that sees disciples reproducing disciples leaders reproducing leaders, churches reproducing churches, and movements reproducing movements. Now, so what attracts me to this movement is its focus on knowing and obeying God's word, right? It's good. On uh, its foundation of multiplying extraordinary prayer, and its emphasis on making disciples who make disciples. Training disciples to train disciples is already what um, I do in the context of my work with InterVarsity. But it was so inspiring to spend these days in Texas with brothers and sisters from around the country who live this way and who lead others in this way in the context of a local church. And I am thankful, it's made me even more thankful that we as a church are growing as people devoted to knowing and obeying God's word, to gathering together in prayer for our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, and communities, and be growing confidently as we invite others to follow Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm excited about our witness in this and in nearby communities, and I'm thankful that we as a church have the opportunity to be involved in this expanding work of God's kingdom. And again, that we get to do this together. Am I alone in this? Is anybody else excited about what God's doing in us? Yes. I see that hand. I hear that, <laughs> that approval. Yeah, I'm very excited about what God's doing. And it's, it has nothing to do with numbers. It all has to do with what God is doing in us and through us. Um, so I think my assessment is that what God is doing in our church is already in alignment with the emphasis of DMM, the disciple-making movement. Um, and I'm excited about that. However, even before the sabbatical, I've been curious about how we can continue to grow in our obedience to God through his word, in prayer, in spiritual growth, and in our outreach to others. Um, these are the questions that sometimes keep me up late at night. How can we continue to grow in these ways? How does God want us to grow? And what is my responsibility? What is our responsibility to lean into this? And these are the questions that Beverly and I found ourselves talking a lot about and asking a lot um, and praying about during our sabbatical. 
Then um, we were in the car. It was well into our sabbatical, and we, as we were wrestling with these questions, we were listening to a sermon by somebody that many of you might know, Pastor Andy, uh, Andy Stanley. And this particular message really struck a chord with us. In the book of Acts, um, we read that the church gathered, we've talked about this quite a bit, that the church gathered regularly in large groups like this and in small groups. That was just the structure of the, um, of the early church. While these large gatherings met anywhere that they could, places that could hold the capacity and was available to them, um, small groups, as we know, met in people's homes. No, I don't need, okay. <laughs> We're fighting over where to put our piece of paper. And so these small groups met in people's uh, homes. And we see this described in Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 to 47. So both structures, right, these large group gatherings and the small groups, th this was necessary um, for this first Holy Spirit movement of the church. And it remains true today. Would you agree? Yeah. So Pastor Andy Stanley, Andy Stanley refer, refers to, sorry, Andy, um, I'm sure he's watching us. Um, so he refers to these two structures as rows and circles, rows and circles. The rows refers to our weekly Sunday mornings for obvious reasons, right? Look at the way that we're seated, rows. And so he talks about large group gatherings, um, and sometimes there's a shortcut. He'll talk about them as row gatherings. And then circle gatherings, uh, his shortcut for small groups, right? Because oftentimes in small groups, you're meeting around somebody's living room or kitchen or coffee shop or whatever, in, in, generally in a circle. Well, when, when we heard Andy Stanley talk on this, um, rows and circles, my mind immediately as a musician, I, I immediately uh, went to staffs uh, and notes for some reason. I just went there, staffs and notes. And uh, so the staff being the rows and the notes being the circles. Now, I want to invite up, yeah, Adrian. she knows, she's, she knows what we're doing here. And uh, I want to use this opportunity um, to illustrate something. So uh, I'm going to ask Adrian to play something on the piano. And um, so I'm gonna give you this piece of paper first, and this is gonna be projected up on the screen. So Maestro, if I could have the first slide, would you mind just uh, playing that song for us, uh, Adrian? That'd be awesome. A little bit difficult, why is that? Oh, just, just rows, just lines. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. You want notes? I'll give you notes. All right. So, Maestro, if I could have slide number two, this is what I am now asking Adrian to play. Adrian, would you mind just playing this song for us, please? It'd be incredible. I could try to. What's the problem? You got the notes now. What? You're so demanding. All right. These musicians. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so um, this, I just want to pause and point out the obvious, right? Mr. Obvious here. Um, this is sometimes what churches run up against. When we just are committed to meeting in rows and we just attend Sunday service, um, we get that sound of nothingness, kind of flat, and it's not what God intends. 
And uh, so then you can just throw uh, notes at them, circles, and, well, I'm just going to meet in small groups and just do my own little thing in small groups, but not be a part of the rows. It, too, doesn't make sense. And a musician can't play anything with just that. God is the great musician, by the way. So, Maestro, if I could have the third slide, and if you could do your best to, if you can, Adrian, I'm questioning your skill here. <laughs> Try to play this. Let's see if you can recognize this song. Okay. Uh, anybody got the song? Great is thy faithfulness. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Thank you. I actually never questioned her skill. Nice job. <clears throat> all right, so it's a simple point. We all get it. So rather than thinking it's all one way uh, of gathering as a church or all another way uh, of gathering, it's both, right? It's rows and circles, it's staff, it's notes, and they go together. God wants his family, the church, to live in a worshiping community with one another in these beautiful rows and uh, in circles, in weekly small groups. If anyone needs to be reminded of why being connected in the context of a small group is important, I just want to encourage you to go back and to listen to John's message from last week. He gave 21 solid reasons why it's good for us to be, I counted them, to be involved in small groups, and they're all solid. Okay, now, not to bring up a sore point, but you might remember a few months ago, we introduced some tables in this room. Okay, sure, for those of you who survived, you remember. All right, so we introduced the round tables into the weekly service uh, for a couple of months because at the time, we didn't have circles. All we had were rows. And we needed to find a way to introduce circles into our community. And that's the reason why we did that. But praise be to God. We don't have to do that because, as Victoria told us, we have at least seven small groups starting this fall, the week of September 12th. And that's a good thing, right? Yes? All right. So we are encouraging you to be involved in a small group as you are also involved here in this large group so that we can live the song that we're singing together. These are all things that kind of really came to the surface for us uh, during our sabbatical. So I mentioned that we were able to rest, and uh, I'd like to invite Beverly to say a little bit more about that. Thank you. Yeah, um, I want to also thank you so much. It was such a gift to have that time. So I'm going to share a little bit about what I took away from that time. Um, and one of the things I did was I read a lot. And there was one particular quote that really, re well, there were several. <laughs> um, but this one really resonated with me. It's from the book, um, The Deeply Formed Life. Um, where I think we're, thank you. Right yes, yes, mm -hmm. thank you. See, this is what happens when we try to work together. <laughs> we help each other and hinder each other. Um, uh, the, the Deeply Formed Life by uh, Rich Velotis, who's, who's a pastor in New York City. Um, he wrote, 
In his classic autobiography, The Seven-Story Mountain, Thomas Merton recounted an experience he had with a simple yet mysterious Hindu man who lived a monastic life. In his conversation with the man, they discussed the effect of Christian missionaries in parts of South Asia. Merton's friend noted that Christian missionaries had minimal impact in that part of the world for many reasons. Chiefly, they weren't holy enough. As Merton reflected on this conversation, he concluded that Hindus are not looking for us to send people who will build schools and hospital, hospitals, though those are good and useful things in themselves. They want to know if we have any saints to send them. The deeply formed mission is fundamentally about becoming a particular person and offering that to the world. This kind of mission is not just about activity. It's about being Christ for another. The quality of our presence is our mission. I don't want to reflect a form of Christianity. I want to be formed by Christ through and through, a vehicle through which God can love the world. But being formed by Christ is not just a me and Jesus activity. I need you, and you need me. We need each other to be Christ for each other, with each other. Spiritual formation is a family affair. We have an invitation from Jesus to be this kind of presence in the world. Um, this is from uh, the message translation, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus's invitation to us. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When I went into this three-month-long sabbatical, this was a little snippet of what I wrote to the church council. Dear friends, I have been encouraged to apply for a three-month sabbatical, May to July 2022. As I have thought about this, I am realizing that the encouragement was timely. I'm tired. I needed a season to get away with Jesus and recover my life. There was work I needed to do in the area of rest. The quality of my presence was somewhat frayed around the edges. I want you to know that a sabbatical is not a vacation. It's a time to disengage from the regular rhythms of the kind of work that produces something out in the world so that you can receive interior nurturing in a way that you can't when you're busy with your normal work. It's meant to make you more productive in the long run, more creative, just as letting a field go fallow for a season will restore the nutrients that have been depleted over time. This is something 
Also, that a cultivated habit of observing Sabbath will do for all of us. So take heart. Even if you haven't had a sabbatical, even if you can't have a sabbatical, or you won't have the opportunity to have a sabbatical, you have been invited each week for 24 hours to rest, to enjoy a sabbatical with God, the Sabbath, a time for worship and restoration. Yes, Jesus did say, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I think Marie shared this earlier, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest is a gift from God, a gift that he wants to give to each one of us. His rest isn't the result of several good nights sleep. Like, if only I could sleep better, then I'll have rest, right? It's not the result of a relaxing vacation, although those things are good and they're important and they're meant to be enjoyed. Physical rest, for sure, is important, but it's, we all know this, it's temporal. It, you, know, you could have a bad sleep tonight and be tired again tomorrow. Jesus' rest remains with us always because his rest works its way to the depth of our soul is what that passage says. And as we receive his rest, he delivers us from the weariness and the burdens that just naturally come because we live in a very broken world. <clears throat> to help us live our lives from this place of rest, we are encouraged as followers of Christ to stay connected with him on a daily basis through prayer, through reading his word, reflecting on his word, and obe obeying his word. If you want to live your life with your soul at rest, which is not easy, but if you want to live your life with your soul at rest, make time and space to meet with Jesus every day. The Apostle Paul, I can't imagine a person who had a more hectic schedule than the Apostle Paul, but he said this, he said, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I don't think Beverly and I are the only ones, but the longer you live, the more you tend to acquire things. Has anybody else noticed that? Especially when it's time to like move or you clean house or something. It's like, where did all this stuff come from? My goodness, we were just talking with some friends of ours yesterday. They were saying the same thing. They re moved recently. Where did it all come from? I thought we lived simply. Whoa, it's crazy how quickly things can clutter our homes, clutter our schedules, clutter our hearts. The sabbatical was decluttering time for me. To provide more time each day for his Holy Spirit renewal in my life, I decided during my sabbatical to give up some addictions, addictions to the news. I somehow became a news junkie. I felt it was important for me to stay current on the news every hour, it seemed. I wanted to know what was going on, and I felt it's my responsibility to keep up on the news. And there's all kinds of ways that you can feed that addiction. I began to realize that was eating up a lot of my time. I began to realize, too, for odd reasons, I was paying attention to the weather app. <laughs> Who cares? You know, Beverly was saying, 
duh, it's sunny outside. Just look out the window. No, I got to look at my app. Oh, yeah, it is sunny outside. You're right. I got addicted to stupid things like that. And there were several other, like, life-draining things that I was spending time on with my phone and computer just cluttered my time and my heart and my attention. Maybe some of you can relate. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. So hear me uh, to say this, because I do believe that it's important for us to be informed about what's going on in the world so that we can pray in response and that we can also respond with compassion. So don't let's not put our heads in the sand and pretend, you know. So I think it's important to be engaged, but there's a, there's a balance. I don't want um, my addictions to consume so much of my life, right? Especially when it robs me of a good night's sleep or of spending better and more quality time with God early in the morning. Thank you. Over the course of the sabbatical, I found rest in a way that I never would have anticipated through a means of spiritual direction I had not formerly considered. I, thanks to Karen, <laughs> I keep thanking Karen over and over for the books and for, for this uh, class that she introduced me to um, called Faith Walking. I had been looking for some mentoring or spiritual direction or counseling um, from some, someone outside, not connected with any of my community um, and hadn't found it. But I heard about this class, which provides a little of that, um, and it's called Faith Walking. It's designed to teach people how to use a set of tools that lead to personal transformation and that free and light life that Jesus has invited us to. And if you want to learn more about this class, please feel free to talk to me after. Um, simple. And, but when I went into this 10-week class, uh, the reason why this practice resonated so much with me is I was so tired and yet I was consistently experiencing insomnia. When I began the practice of writing out an exam each day, I started sleeping through the night. I felt refreshed when I woke up in the morning. The quality of our presence is our mission. We love God because we love God for God alone. We also love God for the sake of the world. When we love God, then the world will know that our God is love. We can be saints here. John reminded us last week that we are saints. The kind of people our neighbors call on when they need help or companionship. We want to be a welcome presence in the world. And so as I considered how I might express my gratitude to you for the sabbatical that you supported for us, I thought a good gift that I could pass along is this practice of examine. To inspire you, I've shared some sample questions for reflection. I think that we have a slide. I don't want it to be too distracting though. Yeah, there we go. Um, we're gonna use this, uh, this slide in just a minute or two. Um, these are questions that have been borrowed from or inspired by the Faith Walking class. You can copy them if you want. Uh, these are just two that we're going to use in a minute. Um, but I've provided them for you out in the lobby. So each of you can pick up a copy as you leave to use uh, if you want to start doing this um, practice. The questions 
are, you can just think about them, but I found it very helpful to journal around them, to answer them in, in a journal. What was the most life-giving part of my day? What felt like it was choking out life today? At what points in the day did I feel the most connection with God, with others, with myself? At what points did I feel the most discord between God, others, and in myself? Where did I see some mature spiritual fruit growing in me today? Was there any absence of any of the fruit of the Spirit? And I always, no matter which questions I interacted with, I always ended with, for what am I most grateful today? But for our purposes now, in the context of this service, I'm simply going to invite you to engage with the short sample examine. We could put that back up on the screen. Thank you. We're going to take three minutes of silence to prayerfully reflect on these two questions. When did I give or receive the most love today or this weekend, whatever comes to mind? When did I give or receive the least love today or this weekend? And Adrian is going to play some music for us while we just interact with those questions. Three minutes can seem like a long time especially in the middle of the night when you can't sleep. <laughs> it goes by a lot faster when you're interacting with God and you can do some reflecting in healthy ways. If we will take the time to examine our lives with God, we'll find that more and more they will hold up under the scrutiny of our neighbors. As we find more and more points of connection and thanksgiving, we will notice that we are beginning to experience that rest to which Jesus invited us and live lives that are unforced, unhurried, free, and light. Remember, Jesus invited us. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I'd like to invite up the rest of the musicians as the rest of us uh, respond in prayer. <clears throat> God, we want to figure out how to enter into this rest. I know that many here um, struggle with just the fullness of life, and there just doesn't seem to be enough time to fit everything in that needs to get done and to care for all the needs and all the people. God, I know that managing responsibilities and time is a real struggle. So God, we're praying for your help. We're praying for your wisdom. God, we're praying that you would speak into our schedules and into our priorities and into our responsibilities. God, is there something in this season that you're, you're inviting us to say no to, inviting us to let go for a season um, to free up some time? Uh, God, we pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would provide the rest that we all desperately need and that we would, we are saints, but we would become saintly in the way in which we are living our lives so that um, not only would we experience that joy, 
and that freedom and that lightness that Beverly described. But so would our family, so would our friends, so would our coworkers. And God, together as a church, so would this community and the world around us um, experience, God, the life that is found only in Jesus Christ. So God, thank you again for um, all that you uh, are doing in our body. In this season, we continue to commit ourselves to you, praying that you'd continue to lead us by your Holy Spirit in ways that brings you honor and glory and praise. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Let's continue to worship.